Welcome to Women Leading Change, the podcast that amplifies the voices and missions of women changemakers from around the world. My name is Laureen Nolan Card, women's leadership expert, and I'm going to share the strategies that women changemakers use to successfully lead in bold new ways that are in alignment with their values and true to themselves. Listen weekly as I share personal insights and inspiring interviews with women who are being the change they seek to see. So you too can evolve your own leadership skills, grow your own paradigm shifting business and mission and be the change we're all seeking. Joining me today is Jean Brannan. Let me tell you a little bit about Jean. Jean is a licensed acupuncturist and author. Whether working with patients or the written word, she likes to use metaphysical and Eastern mysticism concepts as tools to help people become more self-empowered. Her dream is to give ancient wisdom and new thought ideas a voice in popular culture. Currently, she's completing the second chakra book in the Ancient Ways to Wellness series from her Metro Atlanta home which she shares with her two rescue pups, Rosie and Connell. She is also the author of Atlantis Writhing, a fantastic fiction book that I found very hard to put down. Please welcome Jean Brannan. Jean, thanks so much for being here. I'm so excited to talk to you. Oh, Lorraine, thank you for having me. I'm so, so blessed to be on your show. Thank you. You're welcome. So Jean, I uh, would like you to begin by telling us what you've most recently authored. I think you call it Pants Down. Is that the title? That is the title. So I've been working on a chakra series for my publisher. And the first offering is what we're calling Pants Down. And so that addresses the chakras in the lower body, basically from the trousers to the toes. Okay. Yeah. So we're working from the third chakra down all the way to the toes, not just to the first chakra, which a lot of people don't really understand that the chakras actually go down the legs. Okay. So they're not as talked about. And so we thought that might be kind of an interesting uh, spin and a way to just get people to start thinking a little bit about these other chakras that can really be helpful in terms of, you know, working on the self and reaching self-actualization. So that's, that's why we agreed to do that. Beautiful. And so maybe, maybe I should back up just a little bit and say, you know, I wonder when I, when I heard of you, how author and acupuncturist kind of go together. (laughs) Well, it, it, it is kind of interesting, but Basically, I don't just do acupuncture for a living. Acupuncture has become a way of life. Mm. And that often happens to people when they're in Chinese medicine school because it's an immersion in a way of moving through the world that for me was, it was very profound because I didn't realize, uh, I didn't have language for it actually until I was in acupuncture school. And I realized, you know what, I have been a Taoist my whole life. Mm. Um, Taoism is basically the roots of Chinese medicine. And in essence, it's uh, rooting in nature. So 
all signals, uh, P's and Q's are basically taken from how things work in nature. Mm. And, you know, I grew up in the country. I was always out in the woods or near rivers or just being outdoors and came to appreciate wildlife and plants. And so going to acupuncture school was a way of really immersing myself in those types of traditions, but with the idea of bringing that forward in a healership role. So that then evolved into writing about those concepts because, um, well, when I was, when I was in high school, I wanted to be a writer. Mm. And, and so, you know, I always dreamed of doing that. Uh, but I have a very strong practical sense. And I thought, well, how can I make a living with that? And, uh, so yeah. I decided to become a journalist. Okay. And I went to, yeah. So my undergrad degree is actually in journalism and advertising. Okay. And my initial jobs out of college were um, as a copywriter. So I used to use words, if I'm really honest, to sell people things. And I found out early on, just within myself, that that did not seem fulfilling. It just didn't touch my heart. And uh, truly, people often don't believe me when I say this, but this is really true. About two weeks after I got my first job in New York, and I'm sitting at my desk on a Friday evening, and I'm looking around at my office, and I'm like, huh, is this all there is? Mm. And it, it's not that there was anything inherently wrong. It's just that it wasn't deep enough for me personally. It just didn't touch me. Mm-hmm. And I knew that as a 22-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, but part of my journey was I needed to collect certain experiences. I needed to understand the corporate world. Right. Uh, because now, you know, I'm in a position where I have a lot of executives coming into me and I have a lot of empathy for their, their position in life and how right. it may or may not be serving them. And mm. so, you know, I, I truly believe all experience is beneficial and, and helpful. Yes. Um, yes. So, you know, and, and I actually uh, became exposed to acupuncture in the first place because I developed low back pain when I was uh, in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. And a friend said, oh, you know, you should go see an acupuncturist because that really helped me. And so here I am in my 20s and uh, I go and get acupuncture and it was amazing for my particular issues. And I thought at the time, I was like, oh, this would be a fabulous second career for me. Uh, Of course, it took me a number of years to move into that as a career. But, you know, that's kind of the evolution of of my life and how Mm -hmm. basically being an author and being an acupuncturist for me have merged in this type of way that I don't really, I don't see them differently at all. It just Mm -hmm. depends, you know, because if I'm in the treatment room with somebody, a lot of times what I'm doing is committed listening or having a conversation. Yeah. And, and writing for me, a lot of times is sitting with information and thinking about how can I basically have this dialogue with readers that can uplift them and and support them and empower them. So I'm, I'm doing the same thing in essence, whether I'm at my computer writing or if I'm in the treatment room with somebody. Right. Now I know that pants down is a look at the lower chakras in, in a way that's different than has been done before. 
And can you pretty, tell? Yes, pretty much. Yeah. Can you tell our listeners uh, what's different about your approach in Pants Down? Well, so we are delving deeply into the shadow aspects of the spirit. Mm-hmm. And in essence, the energies are denser. Anyone that's ever worked with energies, a lot of Reiki practitioners, for instance, in my experience, like to work from the heart up. And those are lighter vibrations. And there's absolutely no right or wrong way. Uh, you know, the Taoists actually like to say there's no one way up the mountain. Of course. Um, so that's a fine approach. What draws me is working in these lower, denser energies, because what I have found is if we can address that, if I can actually go into a space with somebody and hold a sacred space so that that person feels comfortable in the face of perhaps a deep fear or Mm -hmm. uh, a trauma that they've experienced, a lot of times they've never had somebody be able to be a committed listener for what perhaps they need to share in order to be able to transform that. Mm. And so I am drawn to being able to offer that space if someone wishes to go there. So in my own research about the chakras, um, well, I've always worked with grounding with people, with earthing, with Mm -hmm. getting people out of their heads, because what what is a common thing that almost everybody in this country deals with. Um, We're stressed. We tend to be in our heads a lot. We tend to overthink and overplan and worry. And 100% of the time, if that's happening with somebody, that person is not centered and grounded and balanced. Mm -hmm. So if I'm working with someone in the treatment room, one of the first things I'll do is I work with the breath. That's one of the the best ways to help bring awareness to what's here and now to get those energies to where they're grounded. And if we can have the energies grounded, then we have basically reconnected the energetic body and the chakras are able to communicate. And the meridian system within Chinese medicine is more freely flowing. Mm -hmm. So, so that's always been of real interest to me. And so, you know, when I was looking at, uh, well, how can I present their chakra book that maybe will present information that the people haven't read before, things that would be interesting to them and also really be helpful. I was really drawn to these lower chakras because in essence, um, this book does go into detail about the journey downward through these chakras and how the energies get denser and how the traditional stories around these chakras more often than not are presented around what I would probably describe as fear-based thinking. Mm -hmm. So it's a journey down through one's individual hell realms. Mm -hmm. And there are all of these levels of hell in Hindu traditions which is what the traditional chakra systems are based on. And so I found that I just thought it was that these, these legends are very colorful. Um, you know, it's like a hero's journey. Yeah. Uh, what about, what, what do we experience on our way down through our individual hell? And how can we look at that as a positive instead of a negative? 
Mm-hmm. And so what, what became important to me in framing this book was to go down each level at a time and basically take the worst of what is said about a particular chakra level and say, okay, well, if we're in fear-based thinking, this is the absolute worst. And sometimes if people can sit with what is the absolute worst, it actually empowers them to say, you know what? Well, maybe that's not so bad if I can reframe it in this way over here. Right. And so can you give an example? Well, so an example would be um, the calves. There's a chakra center in the calves. It's called Talatala. And that, in, in my opinion, first of all, from working on a lot of people over the years, and secondly, reading all of these legends about the Talatala chakra. So what's interesting about it, it's when it's not well aspected, when it's out of balance, it truly represents poverty consciousness. And so this type of thinking tends to get set up in childhood. When someone grows up perhaps in an unstable environment, or perhaps the parents are not particularly well balanced, there's a lot of fear, uh, they're obsessed with survival. And so what's demonstrated to the child in that environment is that we must strive for possessions. We need material wealth to insulate us against the possibility of, you know, just having nothing. Right, because there's scarcity. There's all of this scarcity consciousness. And so if that's not addressed, then a person will grow up never really, really, really feeling what true abundance is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the muscular system, one of the things that I've noticed over the years, and I've worked with a lot of different uh, professional athletes. I've worked with uh, yoga instructors. I've worked with a lot of physically active people. And I have truly come to, to see the calves as the redheaded stepchild uh, <laughs> of, the, of the muscle system. Because you can have athletes that they're working out like crazy and they're building muscles, they're doing Pilates, they're stretching. Um, but when I ask them if what specifically they may be doing with the calves, I usually get a blank stare and it's like, oh, hadn't really thought about that before. Foam rollers are wonderful for helping to work through muscle and fascia adhesions that tend to lock us in our belief systems. And so when people start using a foam roller very slowly, very uh, gently, as gently as possible, because it, it tends to be a little painful if you go too quickly or too deeply at first, but that's a way to start working out where we've not only stored our muscle tension, but where we've stored our belief systems. Hmm. So that's, that's usually one of the things that I recommend. Um, and that's one of the chakras that I really recommend working with because for the most part, it's ignored. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right? That, and, you know, fascinating. So, I didn't uh, even know there were chakras below the root. Well, they're, they're not commonly talked about. And at least in English language texts, there's not a lot of information 
that's been published. What are the chakras below the root? How many are there? Well, so there are lots of different theories and lots of different opinions because there are lots of different micro chakras that people are not necessarily acknowledging. Um, But at every joint from the hip down, there is a chakra that is vitally important to how the energy flows. Mm -hmm. And the, the last chakra in the body, but see, there are also chakras that extend beyond the body. Um, Right. Yeah. If we think about the, the lowest chakra uh, at the very base of the foot, it's called Patala. And uh, that's not the end of the line. However, I mean, for years, Uh, When I've worked with people with their breath and helping them to ground and center themselves, I've worked a lot with what we call the earth star chakra, which is below the feet. Mm. It extends out below us. There are just many, many chakras. And I think in a way, it keeps it simple if we just talk about, you know, the the root to the crown, the seven best known or or most popular chakras. Mm -hmm. Um, But for purposes of self-transformation, I feel that these lower chakras can offer an opportunity for anybody that wants to move forward on their path. Let's say that they feel stuck or they feel like things just aren't unfolding in life the way that they wish that it would. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of times by delving into whatever this person's version is of their own personal hell, a lot of times that can bring up tools that they can then use on a daily basis to move through these things and experience their own sense of metamorphosis. And that's really my intention is to just help people find what they need for themselves to be uplifted and supported and empowered. That's, that's really the, the um, intention behind Pants Down. Wow. When we talk about shadow work, um, I know that a lot of people are doing work mentally and and emotionally around the shadow. It sounds like you're connecting that to the physicality of it as held by the body and the energy in the body. So some of the shadow work that I can think of that people often address is, um, you know, stuckness, uh, not being worthy, um, not being good enough. There's a lot of that I find in the psyche of women today is there what else is there gene what else um you know might someone be experiencing in their outer world if they're holding energy in the lower chakras that you address so in essence what it boils down to for me is is someone standing in his or her own power or not Uh, and To me, that needs to be the first question, because if someone is not standing in his or her own power, then we can throw any number of tools. This is what I've seen in the treatment room over and over and over again. And it's what my work with these lower chakras has taught me. If we don't address the power issue, then that person is basically not capable of having a foundation upon which they can build healthy beliefs and healthy relationships and healthy self-care. 
So that's why I feel it is so, so, so important to start with the power issue. More often than not, if people are not self-empowered, what's happening is they're looking to other people. They're looking to external circumstances. They're looking to a job, to another relationship. They're looking somewhere externally to fulfill something that can never be fulfilled from the outside. Right. And so that can manifest in any number of things. People in, in my practice, I'm seeing a lot of people with anxiety. I'm seeing a lot of people with intense pain. So I get a lot of people that come in with what's been diagnosed as fibromyalgia. I get people with rheumatoid arthritis. I get people with debilitating chronic fatigue, Epstein-Barr. There are a lot of ways that not being in one's power can manifest in the body. Lyme's disease is another example of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Parkinson's is another. So it really, oh, sure, absolutely. So there are so many ways that not being in one's own power can manifest. It truly just depends. Mm -hmm. Um, For instance, you know, someone may not be in their power and they are exhibiting a lot of digestive issues Mm -hmm. because they're not grounded, they're not rooted, and they tend to be taking on other people's stuff and they're digesting that. They're using their own internal energy to digest whatever is going on for somebody else. They tend to be caretakers. In other words, another person's life or family members, their interests, their lives, Their problems are something that this person can take on. And so much energy is being used to try to digest that and help the other people that this person has issues with uh, perhaps ulcers or colitis or IBS. There are any number of ways that that can manifest. So truly, any imbalance that I can think of that anyone has ever come in with at its core, it's usually about the person not being self-empowered. And and more often than not, people feel, oh, it's being selfish. Being selfish to think of myself first. Mm-hmm. Right. But but you know, one of the things that I will say is, well, you know, like when you get on an airplane <laughs> and you know they, they show you and they that they're going through the whole demonstration of the flight. And if something is going to happen, what is the mother supposed to do? The mother is supposed to put on her oxygen mask first Mm -hmm. before putting on the child's. Now the instinct is to affix the child's mask, but truly I feel that's a great metaphor for life because it's not that you're ignoring the child, but you must, must, must address yourself or you can't fully help the child to begin with. Yes. Yes. There's so much expectation and external expectations placed on people, especially um, women, frankly, uh, who are expected to be everything for everyone. Uh, Yes. You know, mother, worker, um, you know, we, we work as if we're not mothers and we mother as if we don't have a full-time job. It's just unsustainable. Yes. Yes, so what, it is. So what does, are there any particular issues that arise in the lower chakras um, 
for women that you've seen in your practice and in your research? A lot of women, now it's not that this doesn't affect men. I see a lot of this, but a lot of women that are caregivers, they have a lot of hip issues, Mm. a lot of sciatica. Mm -hmm. And if you think about just the anatomy of the hip for a moment, so in women, and this isn't a weight thing, Mm -hmm. all women are going to have more of their anatomy invested in the hip, mm-hmm. right? So we tend to have more padding there than men. Right. And I have found so many things about the way the body is structured is metaphorical. Mm-hmm. And it can really help explain the emotional body and how we use the physical body to address things that maybe we're not ready to deal with on the emotional or spiritual level. Mm. And so if we think about the hip for a minute, first of all, it's behind us, okay? So if you think about it, it's, it's a bigger area for the most part. So that means it can hold more. It's like a bigger trunk. Mm-hmm. And it's behind us. So what, and, and this is also where women give birth. Mm-hmm. So this is a very, it's a very sacred area, but a lot of times because it's such a dominant area of a woman's body, if we are overloaded, if we're dealing with too many things, if we're multitasking and we need to put some things out of sight, out of mind for a little bit, or sometimes for years, then one of the very best places to put those things is in the hip. Mm. And so hip pain, but see if, if there's if there's hip pain, a lot of times that pulls on the low back, or it can, you know, shoulders mirror hips from a Chinese medicine perspective. So I get plenty of women that come in that are caretakers and their shoulders are literally up around their ears. Mm. And and I've come to call that uh it's not, this is not anything scientific or anything, but I just see that as turtleneck because it's like a turtle with its neck pulled in toward its shell. Right. Trying to hide. (laughs) Yes. It's like, I'm trying to hide because I'm trying to carry too much. Uh, And, And if the shoulders are burdened, I mean, you know, I like to try to use language that can give people a visual. Mm -hmm. So when women come in like this, I will often say, look, basically what's going on with your shoulders, you're really in a protective stance. And it's like you're carrying two 60-pound suitcases that you were never designed to carry. Mm. And so if you're carrying something that heavy, the hips being the companion anatomical structure, truly have no choice but to try to share the load. Yes. So if you think about shoulders and hips both being out of balance in someone, Yeah. That is a tremendous recipe for pain of just about any kind. A lot of people with migraine Mm -hmm. issues, they have this particular presentation. Mm. And so if I presented to you with hip pain, what would you do? Well, it would kind of depend on A, what you wanted to work on, and B, what I observed or felt. Mm -hmm about you in the treatment room. Maybe it's uh, not a fair question, hey? Well, it's a very fair question. It's a very fair question. 
one of the things that acupuncturists are always doing, we're observing people. Mm -hmm. And we observe and take in, it's just just a way of life. We take in everything that we can about somebody. Um, If somebody's presenting in this way, one of the things, one of the first things I will do is I'll have them take their shoes off. Uh. And I have them stand right beside their shoes. And we look at the shape of their foot and how their toes are curled or straight or not. Mm. And that begins a conversation because any hip pain, from my experience, it can't really be fixed if we don't start from the ground up. Mm. So usually what I see in somebody that comes in with hip pain, I can look at their toes and predict how this is manifesting for them. So how that would look, first of all, their toes are going to appear more squished. Um, the pinky, like the little, the little toe yeah. and that fourth toe, mm-hmm. more often than not, are the, the little toe is going to be curled under the fourth one, mm-hmm. such that the nail is pointing to the outside. It's not mm-hmm. even going to be straight. Right. That is a major indicator of someone with hip and low back issues. If that fourth toe is also curled, and those are maybe pressing on the third toe. Now we have a situation where this could really have morphed into a migraine mm. type of pattern. And then I look for things, uh, a traditional bunion, which is uh, an overgrowth on the joint that's just below either the big toe or the pinky toe. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one under the big toe, if I see somebody that comes in with a bunion, for instance, uh, right below the big toe, then I know that that person is an overthinker, a worrier, and an overplanner, and they tend to not trust life. <laughs> You're laughing. Okay. Right? I'm laughing because I have a huge bunion underneath my big toe, um, and, wow. and I'm laughing about the accuracy of the description. <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty bang on, Jean. You know, I, I want to do this. I don't know. I want to take this on the road. I would love to just you know have town meetings and just say, "Come on, y'all. Whoever wants to come up here, let me look at your toes." Yeah, yeah. Who who's willing to reveal their toes and let me tell you something? about wow that's fascinating oh my so there's a whole there's a whole section in pants down that i talk about uh, various imbalances in the feet Mm. uh, and how to correct those things Mm -hmm. because like i said if you came into me and you said hip pain and you're showing me your feet and there are these imbalances in your toes quite honestly i could treat you for the next 10 years and right. we could, I, I, you could get out of pain, mm-hmm. but you're going to recreate it. Mm-hmm. That's just been my experience. If we don't go deep enough and that to me is where, you know, because in Chinese medicine, there is no separation between mind and body. Oh. It's not just about restructuring the foot energetically to realign things so that that bunion under the big toe is no longer present. Mm-hmm. It's really about once, once we're working with that, you are getting in touch with the belief systems that caused that in the first place. Wow. So, so truly how an acupuncturist looks at things is nothing ever manifests in the body without it having been an emotional or spiritual issue 
that's been unaddressed. Mm-hmm. There's no disconnection. There's yes. no disconnection. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, wow. so that's, that's, that's one of the things that is often throughout pants down. I've tried to point out these things mm-hmm. and to help people feel hopeful because I don't care where you're at in terms of the level of your imbalance. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in hopeless scenarios. I just mm-hmm. don't. Um, I believe if you're still breathing and you still have motivation that anything can be changed. And so one of the freeing things for me about being an acupuncturist is that within my scope of practice, do you realize in Chinese medicine, there is no word for cancer. There is no word for stroke. There is no word for heart attack. In essence, if, if I am writing up a classical diagnosis, according to Chinese medicine principles, I don't use those words. I'm using words that describe imbalances in qi, which is energy, Mm -hmm. and fluids and blood. So basically, there's an imbalance in your energy and your fluids, Mm. whether we're talking about the common cold or cancer. And I find that liberating. Right. Yes. Meaning that it can be adjusted and, and changed. Yes. Yes. Wow. Well, when you talk about self-care, um, there is a, a bit of an epidemic of lack of care for the self, especially I find in, in women's circles. Do you, do you have a vision for what it is that you are hoping to achieve for women um, in today's society and what your kind of vision is for the future for them? My vision is with everything that I'm doing to the best of my ability, whether it's in the treatment room with an individual or whether it's reaching someone through either nonfiction, which is uh, starting with the pants down book or through fiction where I wrote Atlantis driving. Um, For me, it's all about the same. I feel that we have a major disconnect in this society because women, men too, but if we're talking specifically about women, women by and large are not in their power, period. And I feel that we don't even have good role models. We certainly don't have enough of them um, in terms of having people that we can look up to, that we can say, oh, you know, that's a woman in her power. Mm-hmm. And oh, how does a woman in her power behave? Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of times, it's not that we don't have powerful women that have become incredibly successful. Mm-hmm. If I think about the corporate world, now more often than not, I'm not saying this as 100% of the time, because there are empowered individuals and there are people day in and day out that are becoming more and more empowered and women are catching up. Mm-hmm. But a lot of women who've been in the corporate world for a while have learned in essence, how to be in a man's world by being more manly. Mm -hmm. And so the way that masculine energy presents is very different from feminine energy. If we boil that down, masculine energy is how we move through the world. It's how we do things. It tends to be more aggressive and reaching out. Whereas feminine power is very much an internal power. We draw things to us 
as opposed to going out and seeking things, as opposed to doing, we are in a state of very powerfully being. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I think we've, we've gone away from. Um, a lot of Native American elders, the women, are exemplary at demonstrating this, just that power of being. And, you know, since our society has evolved in this patriarchal way, we have gotten away from the idea of a woman being powerful by simply being. And so, you know, the women that are running around and trying to caretake everybody and they're, they're always rather frazzled and scattered and they can't do enough. It's because they're out there doing, doing, doing but they're not equally being. So what does it look like to be in the, would you call this the divine feminine? I absolutely would call it the divine feminine. Okay. So what does it look like to be in the divine feminine? So what it looks like is stillness. Hmm. And in essence, It's about being able to move through the world where all of this external chaos is happening, but we are within our own quiet, empowered state within. So the chaos doesn't penetrate. We don't become scattered by external circumstances. And so in essence, what happens as a result of that Women can very quietly and very powerfully uh, simply sit in a meeting, as an example, and hold this very powerful place. And then when it's time to offer a word of advice, it's not about coming forth with a 14-page description of something. It's really about staying in that deeper space offering a few words as an invitation to invite everybody that's present into this empowered, quiet space. And what's interesting, and I say this to people a lot in the treatment room, the most powerful person in any room is the one that is the most centered and grounded and empowered. Mm -hmm. That person, without saying a word, can set the tone for how everything unfolds in that room. I'll give you two examples of, of where that, where, where maybe a lot of people would be able to say, okay, I have an experience of that. Mm. Um, Thank you. One is in a church. Because when you go into a church, there's, there's this feeling of divine reverence. And people drop into that because there have, traditionally been years and years and years of worship and a very sacred space being held. And see, that's what the divine feminine does is it holds sacred space. And so another example would be if you just walk into any room and it doesn't matter, people can play with this. Mm -hmm. I encourage people to play with this. Walk into any room, walk into any situation. A great place to do this is if you go to, um, say, a dentist appointment or you are waiting online to check out at the grocery. 
And I encourage people to just drop into that deeper feeling space. And if you really are working with your deep breathing and you feel really grounded and centered, what comes up from that is this wellspring of love. That's how you know things are really flowing. And so if you just stand somewhere and emanate that, the most amazing things happen. There can be maybe like a little cranky toddler that was over there having a bad day. That little kid is going to turn around and kind of smile at you. Children tend to be much more in tune with energy. Mm -hmm. That is the type of thing where that can be uh, feedback for a Mm -hmm. person. Mm-hmm. You know, how are children responding to you? Do you notice that all of a sudden, maybe there was a lot of talking and now it got quiet. You know, maybe it seemed like the, the, the person working at the reception desk at the dentist's office was having a bad day. But you know what? Maybe then she smiled at you when right. you were just holding this space. Mm-hmm. So these are very powerful ways that people can start checking in with themselves And seeing if, hey, if I can stay in my centered place, how does that not only make me feel, but how can I affect the outer world? We each can have a very, very powerful effect on the outer world. And I think that's how we start building an empowered society, as opposed to everyone becoming influenced by fear-based thinking. Mm -hmm. What if we're all committed to just dropping into our own power? Mm-hmm. So instead of being in fear base, we drop into our own knowing. Um, and and I, I guess to be uh, and uh, to advocate the opposite, I might say, okay, that's great. But when I've got to run around and pick up my kids and they go to school, and my boss is on my ass all day long, and and then I, you know, I've got to uh, make sure that um, I meet my deadlines, and I've got to pick up my kids, and then I go home and my husband's cranky or my dog is sick and you know how do I from a practical point of view knowing you have a bit of a practical bent as well (laughs) how do I I align with that deeper knowing and and you know standing in my inner power when life seems so chaotic well and the truth is life externally is chaotic There's no question that people at large are experiencing chaos. Where should I Um, start, Jean? So, well, um, have you ever studied any of the Abraham Hicks teachings? Yes. Law of Attraction. Okay, I'm I'm a big fan of Mm -hmm. what Abraham has to say. And so I believe I would answer this question in the way that Abraham would. I feel... This is about cultivating an inner state of calm, much the way that you would cultivate, for instance, beautiful biceps. Let's say you want to have beautiful bicep muscles. Mm -hmm. Um, You know what? You just don't go to the gym and work out for 15 minutes on one day and come home with these guns on your arms. You know, it typically it doesn't work that way. What works is being committed to going to the gym over and over and over again. And so what I believe works vibrationally is we need to overcome our past conditioning because you can't keep doing the same thing and expect a different outcome. Yeah. And from my experience and 
one of the things that I've heard Abraham talk about a number of times is starting out first thing in the morning, set your intention firmly. Even if you need to set your alarm clock 10 minutes early before you're going to start your day. Some people start their day and they hit the ground running. Mm -hmm. They don't give any thought to how they want the day to unfold. And so what I would say is find a way to start your day with 10 minutes of conscious intention where you center yourself, you ground yourself, you become aware of what it feels like to just be grateful for so many things that are in your life. If you can start your day with 10 minutes of that, then you have set the stage, not for a grumpy husband or screaming kids or lots of traffic or a boss that is maybe extremely difficult to please on a given day. What you've done is you've set the stage to draw to you from that feminine place of true empowerment. Because remember, feminine power is not about going out there and aggressively seeking. It is about aggressively dropping down into the self, into this quiet, super chill, just really relaxed space and insisting on staying there no matter what is going on externally. So if you can give yourself a head start where you really from the moment you wake up, okay, I've got 10 minutes to myself. This also encourages a pattern of self-care because women especially tend to be the caretakers and they don't fill their own well first. Mm -hmm. But you know what? You can't give to anybody else from a well that is dry. Mm -hmm. So starting this first thing in the morning and at any given point, if something seems to be upsetting. Let's say you spill your coffee on your phone and you, you, know, you don't have a screen protector or whatever, and now you're really worried. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not going to help the situation. Mm-hmm. So the idea as much as possible is to just look at that situation. All right, what can I do in this moment? Let me just make sure I get all the coffee up of this. Let me make sure Okay, you know what? Let me just try. You know what? Look, the phone is still working. Okay, we're not going to feed that with worry. Mm -hmm. We're just going to be grateful. Okay, so here was a circumstance that could have spiraled out of control. Mm -hmm. You could have really gotten majorly upset that your expensive phone may have been compromised. But if you pull it back and just say, wait a minute, okay, I'm coming back into my divine feminine. I'm going to just breathe while I do what I can from this centered place. And let's Mm reevaluate. Okay, things aren't that bad. Okay, this phone still works. And now you can go into gratitude mode, which I find if you can get to gratitude, even if it's in a situation that could have spun you out of control into having a bad day, if you can get back to gratitude, it's like the quicker you can pull yourself back into gratitude, that's going to just be a little blip on the screen and you can move forward still having a more positive day. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I try throughout pants down to frame things like that for people. You know, when I talk about the affirmations or guided meditations that are in that book, I'm trying to give people positive images to focus on because truly the more we focus on the positive, then our life unfolds with the glass half full as opposed to gla- the glass being half empty. 
Mm -hmm. I I happen to live, for instance, in an area with a lot of traffic. You know, there are a lot of people that just don't like driving around Atlanta. But I approach it every single day as if I'm in a video game. Now, people probably will think (laughs) I'm nuts, but I can guarantee you I'm the only person driving around in Atlanta. If people are looking at me, they're probably wondering, what is that lady laughing about? But, But the way I look at it, first of all, I want to have a good day. When I'm commuting to work, I want to get there in a good frame of mind. So how do I make the traffic work for me? Mm. Well, I believe that there are two laws that I need to look at. First is life is ridiculous, right? It's just ridiculous. I think most of us would agree with that. (laughs) And secondly, it is what it is. And so if I'm out there driving and I have that as my two basic thoughts, and I pretend that I'm in a video game and I'm driving around. Well, you know what? You wouldn't play a video game if there weren't crazy, wild things happening. If people weren't cutting you off. If, you know, there weren't just some, some crazy backups at various intersections or whatever. And so what I like to do is I will assign random points and I can change the points at any given time. You know, if a big truck cuts me off, then I take 10,000 points right <laughs> off the bat. <laughs> okay, you know that, and that makes me that makes me laugh. And I will say, oh, you know, oh man, you you just blew it. You could have won this game, but now you are ten thousand in the hole. And guess what? I'm giving myself five thousand points for being able to laugh this off. Right? right. So so by the time I get to work, I've usually been having kind of fun with that. <laughs> and I'm somebody I don't fantastic. play video games in real life, but I I enjoy this. So you know. <laughs> It's It's all about your frame of mind, right? That's exactly it. That's exactly it. That's fantastic. (laughs) Well, one of the things that strikes me from what you're saying is the impact of our vibration. And I know that you talked about the inner knowing, the inner groundedness, and the kind of the vibration that we put out into the world and how that affects the world around us and ultimately how we experience the world. And I, I read Atlantis writhing with, uh, in about a day and I don't usually <laughs> binge read like that. It was fantastic. And I, I read that because it was such a, an, a compelling story about the female character who is essentially struggling with a number of things, but um, among them, you speak about her drawing on her energy, um, of the balanced queen. And yes. I was wondering if you could tell us a bit more. Um, I, I think that you probably have a vision for what a balanced queen looks and acts like and what her world is like. So in, a, in Atlanta's Rhyming, um And that's the fiction. Uh, yes, fiction that's for the those fiction. who haven't read it yet. Yeah. So what's really interesting, there is a connection between Atlantis Rhyming and Pants Down in that, in essence, how the characters are being in Atlantis writhing, the energies that they are using to deal with a chaotic world, they are in the being state making that happening. Mm. And so in Pants Down, that is basically an instruction manual on how to do that, how to do the being state. Wow. That's so that they they are truly very connected. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in Atlantis Writhing, I do talk a lot about the balanced queen because I feel that is what the divine feminine has forgotten. Mm. So the main character is struggling with remembering who she is. Mm -hmm. And so I did my, my very best that I knew to do to hold a very pure space for this story to unfold. And I wanted it to work metaphorically on a number of levels. And I wanted, if someone read Atlantis Rising, I wanted that person to be able to be uplifted and supported in whatever way they needed. But because she is struggling so much with, first of all, remembering who she is, I feel like that's what we're all struggling with Mm -hmm. right now. We Mm -hmm. have forgotten what it was like to be empowered as a balanced queen. Mm-hmm. To me, a balanced queen is showing what it looks like to operate from your throne of individual self-empowerment. And it doesn't need to yell or scream or get way out of balance. It sits very quietly, very confidently and radiates. And if someone moves through the world radiating out this type of power, it's something that people feel whether or not someone believes in the principles of energy. I can guarantee you the principles of energy are happening all the time, day in and day out. And if you have somebody that's a balanced queen walking into a room, people feel that. Nothing has to be said. She doesn't have to have a crown on her Mm -hmm. head. Mm -hmm. And so in Atlantis Rising, you will see a progression where Alicia just keeps unfolding, pulling off layers Mm -hmm. and standing more and more in the balanced queen state. Even though things around her get more and more chaotic. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And at the end of the book, it's interesting because there is actually a standoff that's taking place energetically. Right. And the more external control is taken from her, the deeper she sinks into this balanced queen state. And so that's what I want to show because at the end of this book, She is not in fear of this chaos. Mm -hmm. She is not off her center at all. Even though she's essentially alone. She's essentially alone. And disconnected from everything that could help her. Yes, exactly. All on her, right? That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that is something, if, if people can start understanding, not only is this possible, it's necessary. Mm-hmm. We, I feel that really to help this world become much more balanced and much more uh, loving, each of us has this responsibility to understand about our own personal power. You know, so I feel that's very, very, very important. And in Pants Down and in Atlanta's Rising, I talk about the importance of that. So Atlantis Writhing is the fiction that will guide us through that in a, 
very entertaining and compelling way and and show us in a sort of um, subconscious uh, way what what the vision can be. And you say that that pants down is like the instruction manual. That's exactly right. Okay. Fantastic. Uh, we should all have the instruction manual. And I have to say that Atlantis Writing is one of the best books I've read in a very long time. Aww, and I will read you. it again. Yeah, it is incredible. Um, and actually impacted me personally on a on a almost a molecular level and certainly in a subconscious level, um, in addition to being very entertaining. Um, I'm interested in uh, how you make decisions, if you have a particular way that you draw on your balanced queen, if you are facing, you know, a difficult decision in your life. For me, the way to access the balanced queen is through the power center, which is just below the belly button. Uh, it's in what we Chinese medicine practitioners refer to as the lower Dantian. Martial artists dancers, equestrians, all understand that to really come from our own power, we need to be accessing this energy center. It's one of the reasons why I talk so much in the treatment room, and I emphasize it a lot in Pants Down too, the importance of truly deep belly breathing. Most of us are shallow breathers. Mm -hmm. And if the breath is getting hung up around the ribcage, around where the diaphragm is, then in essence, we become chest breathers. And so if I'm looking at making a decision, one of the things that I've learned over the years, the heart and the head can lie to us. It's not that we mean to mislead ourselves, but if the heart wants something so badly, sometimes it can believe what is being presented. In an undefended state, the heart can be quite gullible and very childlike. And so the mind can be so filtering things through that frontal cortex that we have that there can be a disconnect because the mind is often filtering things from the perspective, is this logical? Does this make sense? Um, should I do this career change or will I be able to make any money out of it? That's the mind talking. Mm-hmm. Right. The heart is just concerned with, do I love this? Does this light me up? But both of those things can be imbalanced if we don't run the idea down past the power center. Oh. And so I, I work with a lot of people in this capacity because, first of all, I think it's so helpful. And this is what I do myself. If I need to make a decision of any kind, I want to come as best as I can from my balanced queen. Mm-hmm. So I will run any decision down by my gut. How do you do that? So what you look for is an immediate internal yes or no. It's usually easier to start with a yes or no question. Okay. So even if you're in the grocery store and you're in the vegetable aisle, now this might might not be a a really sexy example, okay, but it's very (laughs) practical, right? And so let's say you're looking at the vegetables. And you're thinking about making dinner and maybe there's an overwhelming number of vegetables. And so you look and you just say, okay, well, do I want broccoli or Brussels sprouts? And you look for the broccoli and you just look to see, do you get an initial yes or no? But what, what, how do you know? Because what you look for is the gut to just 
it, when you consciously tune in, now that's one of the things that is important to this little exercise. Mm-hmm. You set your intention that you're going to allow your inner power to speak. And the deal that you make with yourself is that you're going to let that answer abide no matter how crazy it is. And let's say you hate Brussels sprouts, but you're throwing it in as the, as part of the equation and your gut says, yes, well, (laughs) buy the Brussels sprouts. Don't question it. Don't overthink it. Throw them in the cart and go buy them. Part of it is on an innate level. You may know, you know what? I haven't had Brussels sprouts in 20 years. Maybe I'll like them. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's out of the box thinking. And that's what it's encouraging is out of the box thinking. And so, but the important thing is you have to honor the deal that you make with yourself in order for the gut to start speaking. Because see, the mind doesn't really like that. The ego typically wants to control things until we are all connected where the mind and heart have uh, aligned. And once those energies have aligned, if that's brought down to the gut, down to those lower chakras, right below the belly button, once that happens, that's how we can know inner truth. And it goes beyond intuition. If you are coming from your balanced queen, as an example, and you are, you know, let's say we, we want to get beyond a decision about broccoli or Brussels sprouts. Let's say you're considering moving somewhere. Mm-hmm. Or you're considering changing jobs, or this is a big one. What about the relationship that I'm in, my significant other? Um, If you're having doubts or if you're having questions, the only way to access the balanced queen is to ask her directly and give her her say and then allow for that answer, period. Don't try to judge it. Don't try to even think about it. When you get a knowing that comes up, and that's actually what comes from the power center, it's not even an intuition. It's a knowing. And so when I work with people in the treatment room, it's amazing because I'll have people that they'll come in and they'll say, well, I'd like to make this change, but I don't know. It doesn't matter what aspect of their life we're talking Mm -hmm. about. And so the first thing I'll say to them is, you know what? That's the biggest lie that you're telling yourself. (laughs) Right. And, and the truth is a hundred percent of people know when you get into direct questioning with someone, not in an adversarial way, but in a way that involves committed listening and creating a safe space for that answer to come up. People often laugh at how sometimes the gut will just erupt with this spontaneous answer, right? But they just know. And so, so that's how you access it. And that's what I want people to start practicing. Mm-hmm. Give your balanced queen her say, mm-hmm. and then she will just be present throughout your life, throughout your day. And you won't be in this fog and you won't be thinking or deluding yourself that you're confused or that you don't know. Right. And so I, I feel if we can encourage that, if we can get everybody to start embracing and coming from that place of the balanced queen, I just feel like that is energetically how we set the stage for a kinder, more loving world. And I really think that's what we need. That's what we need to do. And allow, allowing the external chaos to be what it is. You know, it, it will be whatever it is, but it's happening out there. Mm-hmm. And the only way we can really have a positive effect 
on that external chaos is not by joining the chaos party. Okay, there are, right. there are so many people that are, you know, card-carrying members of the chaos party, but that's not helping. The thing that helps that is to retreat within and get to that centered, calm place. Because if each of us does that, each of us can then have a very, very powerful effect on that collective consciousness out there where the chaos is. Yes. Yes. I hope and I pray that we we can do that. What do you do kind of regularly for yourself to sustain yourself in that practice and, and, and to sustain your work in the world? Well, so anybody that comes to see me for treatments or anybody that knows me personally, um, everything that you read in Pants Down, I practice it diligently. Mm. I really do my best to practice what I preach and to do it daily. So I start my day with 10 minutes of intention of how I want the day to unfold, of how I want to be centered within my own balanced queen and to be able to bring her everywhere I go. Mm -hmm. And so I've practiced this for a long time. And I believe absolutely in self-care. So I, uh, I get chiropractic treatments. I get massage. You know, I, I do acupuncture on myself. You know, I, I really believe in the power of meditation. And I believe in the power of positivity within my own life, as, as my life has evolved, I have cultivated my own inner power. And what has happened organically through the years is I have drawn helpful, loving, more balanced people to me within my inner circle. Mm. I feel that my own self-cultivation and, you know, in acupuncture school, we talk a lot about self-cultivation you know, using things like Tai Chi or Qigong or breathing exercises or meditation um, to make sure that we practitioners are as healthy and whole as possible so we can help hold that space for others. So I, I absolutely believe in that. I, I exercise every day. Um, and I do everything from, you know, yoga to stretching to I work with a foam roller and I jog. So I I do various things to on every given day to help keep myself as balanced and whole and centered as possible. So I'm, I'm a big, big, big believer in self-care and in understanding this is not selfish. Mm -hmm. We need to really, I think, as a society, rethink what that looks like. We need to really understand that self-care is essential if we are to be caregivers of anyone else. We have to fill the well first for mm -hmm. ourselves so that we have something to, to give from. Yes. And speaking of giving, how can we support you, Jean? How can our listeners support you either financially or otherwise? You and your well, work. So um, I believe that a huge payoff for me would be just becoming aware mm -hmm. of how many people are starting to walk this path of being more empowered and centered and grounded and embracing a balanced queen. I would just thoroughly love it if people would 
you know, check out my website, jeanbrannon.com. Uh, Send me an email. Uh, if you like the work that I do, uh, leave a review on Amazon or Goodreads or one of those mm -hmm. uh, other uh, platforms. Just because what's really, really, really important to me is helping to shift the energies in this world. The collective I, energies, right? The collective energies. I, I don't believe anything happens for a reason. And, mm -hmm. you know, without, without, without a reason, reason. <laughs> without a reason. Yes. Yeah. I don't believe that that, that ever happens. And so um, it's just so meaningful to me to, I just truly believe I'm here to help anchor this type of energy in. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons why I'm doing my best through fiction and nonfiction mm -hmm. to help provide opportunities for people to see this is possible. It's not only possible, it's necessary. Yes. So, but, but for me personally, I would just love to hear that people are starting to embark on this path. So somebody yes. dropped me a note. I'd love to hear about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we can get your books on amazon.com or .ca. Yes. Um, and is the chakra book available on, on that platform as well? It totally is. I mean, even if you go to the publisher's website, so absolutelovepublishing.com, and you can look for me uh, on their website and all of the links to all of the various vendors are mm -hmm. listed. So if you looked okay. up Hands Down or if you looked up Atlantis Rising, you could just click on a button that's right. on their website and it will take you to Amazon, for instance, if you want to purchase uh, via Amazon. Super. So, um, so yeah. And I think both of your books are available in digital format, right? Yes, they are. Fantastic. You can read them anywhere, <laughs> which is important if you're reading Atlantis Writhing uh, and you need to read it and you want to read it in 24 hours. <laughs> you can give people tips on how to do that. Yes. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I look forward to hearing more. And both of those books are trilogies. I know that they're both the first of, of three. And yes. uh, you have, so uh, the Chakra book, Pants Down, has just been released. And I believe you're working on the second of the Atlantis Writhing trilogies, correct? Yes, I am. I <laughs> Fantastic. Am. I'm waiting with bated breath. <laughs> You'll be the first to know. I, I promise cannot you. wait. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today. I feel like we could talk for a really long time about all, all of the intersections and how this, how this all comes together and your, your phenomenal um, support for, for women and men who are navigating this new way of being. And I do hope that people will share with you their comments and you can, you can receive that feedback. Thank you so much for being here. Aww. And I look forward to talking to you again. Thank you so much. I feel so blessed to have met you and to talk with you. And I do feel like we could have a conversation about anything, anytime, <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> Thanks, Jean. Oh, thank you. You have a wonderful day. Let's you, talk again soon. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to iTunes and subscribe. When you leave us a review, I'll select one lucky reviewer each month to receive a special prize. 
You can also find us on the very special Divas That Care Network at divasthatcare.com. Until next time, keep being you.